Hi friends, I hope you are doing very well. Today I am thrilled to be sharing this conversation that I got to have with my friend Danielle Larrick about teaching middle school general music. And as we talk about middle school general music, let's go ahead and add in fourth and fifth grade to this conversation as well. This age group can be kind of tricky for us to work with, especially if you are in a situation where you are teaching like K through eight music um, or even K through five. Those upper elementary students just require a different approach than what we are going to carry into our younger grades pedagogy. Yes. And so with that, it can sometimes feel tricky to navigate all of the different age groups that we see. And so that's why I'm so excited to share all of the wisdom that Danielle has to offer. If you have ever struggled with this age group, um, like what kinds of activities you should use, if you have ever struggled with buy-in and student engagement and um, thinking through ways to develop trust in your upper elementary or middle school general music ensemble, I think you are really going to like this conversation. If you have a moment, will you please click through those show notes and find Danielle's email address in uh, the blog post that goes along with this podcast? And when you find her email, would you just send her a quick note and say uh, thank you for sharing all of the beautiful wisdom and musical ideas that she shares in this conversation? Uh, Sending someone an email is one tiny thing that we can do on a Monday morning, but it makes a big impact both for the person who gets that email and for us as the one who gets to write the email. All right, I am thrilled for you to hear this conversation with Danielle about teaching middle school general music. Danielle, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Absolutely, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat. Good. I've been looking forward to this as well because you're here to share some of your experience and your wisdom around teaching secondary, teaching teaching middle school general music, which is a very specific avenue. And I'm sure you get a lot like, oh, wow, you are so brave for teaching middle school. So can you tell us just a little bit about how you got to this very um, specific avenue of music education? Absolutely. So I think when I graduated college, I started out at a K through eight school in Philadelphia. And, you know, at the time as a new teacher, I'm like, okay, we're going with it. Sure. Why not? (laughs) This is a great first, first gig. And it was. And I think in hindsight, what was so wonderful about it is that I really got to have additional experience with all the grades. I got the littles and I got the middles and it really kind of allowed me to try different things and experience different things with those students. Um, and so when I when I moved on, I really didn't, I don't think I clearly knew where I wanted to go. So I don't want to come off with the intention like, oh, I've always wanted to do middle school. I yeah. certainly saw myself probably working with secondary students. But if I had to probably go back to college, Danielle, she would have told you that she wanted a high school choir. Um, right. And that was kind of my thing. And so when I got my current position, I was a long-term sub for a year. So I was just sort of trying to keep the program running as it was. I didn't want to mess anything up. I wanted to kind of just, you know, hold hold true to what mm-hmm. was being done. And then when I took over full time um, after that year, I, I slowly began to kind of... Th- 
shift and try different things. Um, And I realized through many of my own struggles how (laughs) difficult it was and how really unprepared I felt in that moment to bring my students what they needed and deliver for my musicians. And so over the years working through this, um, it has just truly become a passion project, I will say. And I, I love my students and trying these different things and having them essentially learn alongside of me throughout this time has kind of brought me to this point. Um, this is year 16. And I feel that it's it's a continual growing experience, which I love. I, that's m- one of my favorite parts about what, what we do, not just what I do, but what we do as music educators. Mm. So that's kind of what has really brought me to this point. But being so passionate about meeting my students where they are, finding what they're interested in, and, and bringing music and learning to them in that way. Mm. Yeah, so valuable. I think a lot of people can relate, me included for sure, but this idea that our careers are not linear and that what you decided to do when you were, you know, 19, 20, 21, that is a different Danielle than the Danielle who's sitting here, you know, all these years of teaching later. And it's not, it's not a straight path in anyone's career. There's always like interesting twists and turns. You talked about uh, some of the things that were kind of challenging to you teaching middle school. Mm -hmm. You talked about like, um, it was kind of difficult to find out maybe you weren't as prepared as you could have been jumping into that mm-hmm. position. So tell me tell me more about that. If you had to describe it, what do middle schoolers need? And how might that be different from maybe what we're preparing people for in general music, which is probably a little bit more lower lower grades focused. How how are middle schoolers different? So I think that there are a lot of non-musical things that middle schoolers need first Mm. and need to understand and need to have from you before you can do anything with them. They need trust. They need to know who you are why why are you there what are you bringing to them um i think they need an understanding of a meeting point uh, Mm. of meeting halfway Uh, oftentimes i think we come in and we just start trying things and they feel so unsure um, because they are going through so much at that age um, in their brains and their development and so they need this meeting point and need to understand that we are there for them we want to hear from them we want to hear their voices their opinions their thoughts Mm. and i think many teachers at this particular level we get scared off when somebody says ask them their opinion they're like no thank you right I I don't want to know the brutal truth but I think sometimes we need to hear that Um, Mm -hmm. we can also certainly approach it in a way that provides context and it doesn't Mm -hmm. become Mm -hmm. a total chaotic (laughs) sharing time Um, but but they need to know that we are there for them and we want to hear from them and share what they have to offer so I think the ideas of trust 
um, kind of this meeting point, if you will. Um, but I also think there's these conversations, I, I guess I'm kind of tying these two ideas together, really, but there's this these conversations that can be had with middle school that maybe not as much with elementary, um, that there's just sort of these sit down moments. And this is why we're here. This is what mm. we're doing. Um, mm. And I think bringing that to them and, and trying to help them understand why we do what we do. We're not there to say, you must be a famous musician. You must be a music teacher just like me. It's just that we are helping them to explore who they are, who they are becoming through music. Mm. And that everything we do might not appeal to them. And I'm very upfront with my middle schoolers. I tell them from the beginning, like, you're not going to love everything we do. There's going to be some things that appeal to you and some Mm. things that don't. And I think that's okay. So this realistic expectation, um, but also that they're trying their best and that they're they're learning and they're growing. Um, so I really, in my classroom, I will, they will frequently hear me say, this is just a life lesson. This, this can have nothing to do with music. This is just bringing a life lesson to you and something that I hope you, that you understand. We're just doing it through music and in a different mm. way. Mm. Yeah, so much, so much to unpack there. Let me circle all the way back to one of the big foundational things that you talked about, which is we have to establish trust with this Mm -hmm. age group before we can do any of the musical materials, right? So if we start, you know, someone says, um, you know, their principal says that they are teaching fourth and fifth and sixth grade general music Mm -hmm. and they think Mm -hmm. to themselves well i have a music education degree and i'm certified k-12 so i will jump in and we'll start with this list of things that i've been prepared to teach and you are saying hang on because before you're going to have any musical success you have to build that trust can you can you walk me through danielle what maybe some some strategies for building trust or specifically what it looks like maybe maybe even some activities or um or anything along those lines because i hear what you're saying but for me i wonder if that would be i think that's too abstract for me yes yeah you know to walk into and and know that i would be successful so what are your thoughts on that absolutely um so a few i guess specific things come to mind and i i should add um that when I say we're building these things, I certainly think we can do them through music. Um, But before we get to, I I kind of, I'm I'm sort of circling back to that as well, that we can do these things through music. So for Mm. example, um, you know, I'm seeing my students just recently in person for the first time. Um, So we are working together um, on, on doing a drumming ensemble, but I was very careful to make it a very, um, achievable situation. We're not stretching ourselves yet. Um, it's something that I know will be doable and successful for them. Um, and so along the way we are learning how to work in groups and we're learning what that looks like and that when we might struggle, I'm going to be there to help. And I am going to offer those strategies to help them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that we're working through music and we're learning, but there also might be points where we aren't connecting with somebody in our group, or that might not be our best friend. And so we take those opportunities as a class to say, this may happen in our time together. This is something that's, again, real world experience. So let's work through this together. How can we problem solve? How do we approach situations? And so as we do those things, that trust is being built and they know that I am there and that we can work through those growing pains together kind of as a community, really. Um, So that would be one example. Some smaller examples that I might offer are, um, I do a lot of surveys in my class, which I know sometimes people hear, oh gosh, a survey, like hand your kids something and have them fill it out. But um, I think when it's used in a purposeful manner, it can be such a great tool. Um, So again, I tell them, I take time to read these. I I want your feedback. Um, And I make the questions approachable. We talk about what's constructive feedback. What does that look like? We practice giving that feedback on a regular basis so that when I ask them those questions, again, the trust is established. They know that I'm going to take this and be purposeful with it and intentional and what's coming up for them. And so they're willing to put in some time and effort to give me feedback Mm -hmm. that is that is meaningful Mm. um so i think those can be used in a in a really i keep using the word purposeful way but i think again you know kids are like oh here's a piece of paper this teacher just wants to know whatever like i'll fill it out but if we take the time to really say here's how i'm going to use what you tell me and this is for you because in the next workshop here's what we're doing I can take that and really reflect and they see that come to life. You know, it's not at the end before it's too late. This is Uh a continual thing that we do throughout our time together. Um, And another thing is asking them um, what what is helpful to them in a class. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, we just did our first kind of demonstration the other way or the other day, excuse me, and I shy away side note from the word performance (laughs) um with them because again it's like the first time we're all together we're doing something and to use the word performance gets everyone a little bit anxious everyone's a little bit tense it's a connotation that it has to be perfect and flawless and that's not my expectation so we use the word demonstration so Mm. we have a conversation before we demonstrate what do you need from your classmates? What do you need from your fellow musicians before we do this? And as you can anticipate, it's much of what I would say, but it's coming from their peers and it's coming from them as opposed to me saying my expectations that you sit quietly, that you're not talking, that you're, you know, all of these kind of just rules. it's expectations from their classmates and what they're all feeling and what they need. Um, And so again, it just builds trust among all of us and it doesn't take much. It's a two minute conversation and boom, we're into it, but we've all laid it out on the table. Mm -hmm. We've all said, here's where we're at. We all might be feeling a little bit nervous. This might be very out of your comfort zone. If you have a comment and something you want to say, instead of whispering it while they're, 
demonstrating, save it till the end and share that with them because that doesn't feel great when Mm -hmm. you're trying to focus and someone's having a conversation, but that's all coming from them instead of me just simply saying, here's what I need you to do. Mm. Yeah. I love, I love everything about that. Um, so much to yes and there very quickly, if we want to camp out on this idea Mm -hmm. of the demonstration thing, this is something that is not specific to middle school you're doing it at middle at the middle school level because those Mm -hmm, are the students mm -hmm. in front of you right but if we were to approach audience behavior and performance etiquette because i know Mm -hmm. that's that's a lot of what we're doing at the elementary level like when someone shares their group idea how do we respond and the point is not uh you know mrs bowler says you're not allowed to talk the point is we're all here as one big ensemble right. and there are three right. ensemble members at the front, but we are still involved. We are still musicking with the people mm-hmm. in the front of the yes. room. We are all together. And that's and that's exactly what you're saying about how, um, you know, you have to establish trust before the music, but you establish trust through the music, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I heard you say was to keep it simple. And this is something that I struggle with a lot because when I work with, uh, again, I'm going to pull it down to fourth and fifth, but definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, as well into middle school. When I work with this age group, I think to myself, oh, they are capable of all of this stuff. And I tend Mm -hmm. to give them too much musically I tend to overestimate Mm -hmm. what they are ready to do and it's not that they can't do it it's that they're not ready to do it for me at this moment in time and so even if they can play all sorts of things with you know syncopation and a ba 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 and all of these um, you know in different modes and everything like that well maybe they are going to do the syncopation by ear and there's not mm-hmm. notation involved, right? Or maybe it's just a steady beat. And steady beat is cool enough to do on its own, especially I heard you say that you're using this with a drum ensemble. You know, mm-hmm. so do you have do you have any uh, checks for people like me who think, um, who tend to shoot a little bit too high and then right. it's the opposite of what you've been telling us to do. I've lost their trust at that point. I've put them in a position where I've destined them to not give a good musical outcome. You know what I mean? So what what advice do you have for for people like me who tend to overshoot? Yeah, and I've definitely been there. There are times when I've had these great activities in my mind. I'm like, this is going to be so fun. They're going to this is so great and it just flops. Um so the first thing just kind of to that end is that I think that's wonderful for them to see sometimes, sure. <laughs> to, to, to see us saying, you know what, this is just a little much. I am reading the room here. I am sensing that we are just not quite ready for this. Let's let's take this a step back. Let's rebuild that foundation together. Mm. Um, and, and I think that is so okay. And as teachers, I, that's a hard thing. That's a hard like pill to swallow, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. because... We come out thinking, I've got this scripted plan and it's going to be perfect. And Mm -hmm. we might have a couple things along the way, but but what happens when that plan falls flat on its face and we are in the middle of it? Um, And that's a conversation I have with a lot of my pre-service teachers. It's okay. It's Mm -hmm. going to happen. It is inevitable. Um, So having that conversation with your students is is certainly fine. Circling back to your question about how how do we keep it simple, I think we can offer 
um, different options for students. And this is kind of what I play around with a lot in my classroom because I have students from all musical backgrounds walking through my door. I have students that may not have had music in two years um, because they've moved from different schools. And I have students that are playing in three different ensembles and taking private lessons. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly challenged with how do I approach it for everybody, but also offer these meaningful musical experiences for students who are coming in with a different experience. Um, And I don't say more because it's so different for everybody. They might play an instrument, but be playing totally by ear and you put rhythms on the board and they're going... <laughs> what? Um, so, so different musical experiences. So we play around with um, a lot of different choices. So, for example, if we are doing ukulele, we're playing ukulele. Um, I might just start with, and we're playing a, a song, and we have, you know, a simple chord progression. For some students, that might be the most that, that we can do, and you're just changing the chord on the beat and that's Mm. it and that's where we are Um, some students might feel like they're ready to add in a challenge chord so i try to purposefully choose something where there's just a little bit extra so maybe there's that d major chord we haven't really learned it yet as a class i've put it up there as a a possibility as an extension and so if you're feeling good you're going to add in the d major chord um If that feels comfortable, then you can try adding in strumming on every beat or adding a strumming pattern. And so I clearly kind of display these choices. And then, you know, I say, I'm let's choose one of these things. All of these are fine. None is better than the other. Everyone's just choosing something where you are comfortable. And that's where I'd like you to play. Mm -hmm. So that element of simplicity uh, can still be there. But we can also kind of see and sometimes I say, okay, like, I'm going to equate this to like working out or something like I see you got this. I'd like this, this next verse. I want you to challenge yourself. I'd Uh like you to just try. And if you fail, it is, you're not failing. It's okay. If it doesn't go as well then, but you've tried it. And so I, you know, if we're playing a pop song and you've gotten four verses, then this last verse, take that next level up, level up on this last one with me. Let's try it and just see how it goes. And then getting their feedback. So we can still keep it simple. And those are things that, um, you know, it, it just kind of becomes this, I don't want to say template, but kind of just this, we can plug and play so many different uh, opportunities for our students within to that. And then it can go from there. It's the same with songwriting. Everyone in my class starts out with a melody that they compose. Everyone does the basic kind of melodic idea. Um, We all work through that process. But then from there, they have a songwriter choice sheet and they choose where it goes. So they might really be into writing lyrics and writing. And so that's that's the avenue which they choose. They might have loved working with technology when we did like Soundtrap. And so we teach them how to export it back into Soundtrap and add loops underneath. Um, and so I try to pick what what's going to appeal to them everybody's doing that simple that concept is there but they can really choose their own path um 
from that point and showing them examples and saying these are all wonderful musical examples that all started out on the same path. Everybody started here on the same simple path and then we kind of took it and, and created from there. And that allows them to explore and get excited and choose something that is of interest to them along the way. Mm. Yeah, so what you're talking about with the start simple and give options for musical mm. choice. I like the workout um, kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, analogy. Because what I was going to say is often in my teaching um, with something like for body percussion, just as an example, especially with upper elementary, um, I picked up a phrase from Yoga with Adrian um, a yes, long time yes. ago. Yes, so good. <laughs> and she she was like, here's your first bus stop. And maybe it's just like, you know, this, this pose. And then she's like, if you want the second bus stop, it's this, right? And then by the third bus stop, your whole body is twisted into a pretzel. But if you are just at bus stop one today, that's fine. You know, so breaking things down on body percussion, it's like, here's the pattern. You pick your bus stop. And that's what you're saying about the the chord progression. But then Danielle, you're taking that structure of the, uh, here is your D major chord. And if you are ready for a challenge, you're feeling, you know, fancy fresh, then you can add these other things. And that's kind of the template that you're giving us. But then you're showing Mm -hmm. us also how you could take that same template and expand it into this huge, beautiful pop songwriting project where there's their own chord progression and there's lyrics and then there's melody and then they're adding this you know electric guitar part and they're adding like a cool drum thing that they hear in the back of their head but it all comes from the structure that you are able to give them right back at the very beginning absolutely absolutely and there's just so much opportunity for creativity and and for them to collaborate with each other and so I mean, that's where it almost gets overwhelming at times because I'm like, there's so much we could do with this and there's just so many different directions we can take it. Of course, we're limited by time and, you know, amount of classes I'm seeing them. Uh, But but there's these beautiful opportunities that kind of arise from just, you know, starting, starting really easy and, and making that okay and just seeing what comes of it. And I always tell them, you know, if you try something, you know, let's say you did this drumming ensemble and you tried to add a rhythmic introduction, try it. If, if you don't like it and it doesn't come together, you just don't include that in your demonstration and that's fine, but you've tried it, you've mm. worked through it. And, and that's, that's something, you know, again, that we just, I try to instill. It's just, it's about the process. It's mm. not about this final perfect outcome. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and going back to this idea of easy can still be magical. And this is why um, I I heard you kind of echo something that I thought in my head before. I wish I had a better term for older beginners because they're not beginners. They come to us with so much musical knowledge, Mm -hmm. so much advanced musical knowledge that is valuable, right? Before they ever step foot in our classrooms at fifth grade, right? But the, the phrase that we use is older beginners and you are using the word like different different beginners or you know what whatever it is because because the idea is even if they are doing something very simple from our trained um, Mm -hmm. conservatory musician uh, you know approach how we've been taught to think about music there's magic in the simple choices that we give and that we execute in community 
Absolutely. And I tell all of all of my students when they walk in, I say, you're all musicians in this room mm-hmm. and we're musicians in different ways. And we will be exploring that in different ways. But I truly believe and, and it might just be that you love to listen to music and pick up on all these different, you know, sounds and rhythms within the songs that you love. And that's great. That's perfect. That's that's all I need from you to bring into this room to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we talk a lot about that. And I think um, when you see them starting to explore other areas that they didn't think that they might be musical in and yeah. kind of having these light bulb moments, it's just, whew, it is, it's a, it's a feel. It really is. You know, the kids come in and like, you know, I, a simple bass guitar part. Okay, let's pick up this bass and we're going to learn a two note bass line. You know, to us, that seems so simple. Like, okay, it's just a two note bass line. But when they come in a week later saying, I'm going to get a base. I'm going to yeah. start learning. I've I been mean, practicing. there's just, yeah, I've been practicing at home. I had a girl one time and we were learning a riff on the piano for like a cover song. And she came in on a Monday and her group was like, she, she learned this over the weekend. And I, I felt bad. I was like, I, you didn't have to do that. We would have worked through this. She's like, no, I wanted to, I yeah. wanted to. And I thought, oh my gosh, like that, there's just no better thing than seeing that come to life in your, in your students. There's really mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And she wasn't submitting a practice log for it. She wasn't checking off no. the number of minutes that she was required to do any of this. You were able to tap into something that was musically interesting and musically motivating. So I think that's a good, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a good yes. segue into the next uh, area that we can talk about here. You've talked yeah. about how there are so many things that we could do in middle school general music and sometimes all of the options become overwhelming you've also (laughs) and i know that you have like a big you know curriculum side of your brain where you are able to bring in a lot of moving pieces and put them together in an order that is both flexible so that you can be thinking about Mm -hmm. what students are giving you but it's also structured so that you know that students are getting a sound progression of of concepts and skills you've also talked danielle about the importance of meeting students where they are and looking at Mm -hmm. them as musical people, not like empty Mm -hmm. vessels where you are going to put your musical interests inside their little brains, right? So can you talk to us about student motivation and how that ties into the types of musical activities you're doing? Absolutely. So um, I'll kind of start by explaining the three sort of workshops I call them uh, that I do with my students and then I'll kind of circle back to like how did I get to that point because yeah. this was not an overnight thing um, and I never wanted to come off of the come off that way for anyone listening thinking oh my gosh she just came up with this I mean this is literally ever-changing. I don't think I could tell you probably a year, a trimester where I've taught everything the same. Um, so we start uh, with, with a rhythm focus. We do a lot of drumming, creating, composing, because for most of my students, it will not be the same for everybody. For most of my students, this is something that we're all familiar with. It's kind of a common ground. Yeah. I'm taking what they kind of have gotten in elementary school. My students are coming from four wonderful elementary backgrounds, but very different in some senses. Um, and so I'm trying to bring them something that is familiar to 
almost all of them, Mm -hmm. um, and that we can, again, experience some of these beginning um, scenarios together of trust, building community, and we, I find that we can do that really well, but we can also explore some different things like music technology, which might be newer to them that we might not have gotten to play around with so much before, but we can tie that into some of these more um, concrete concepts as well. And so really balancing that, like we might be doing something with technology one week, and then the next week we're composing our own rhythms to perform in partners. And so I think there's that balance that kind of comes in um, as well. So when we uh, kind of progress, we go from rhythm and then we take that and we look at how does that transfer over into melody? What role does rhythm play in a melody? So we're taking something that they are now feeling really confident with, they've composed, they've created, they've played, we've practiced, and now we're getting to explore melodies. And that's where I let them get into some songwriting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, it becomes the process that I personally use is building off of what they already know. And so it doesn't feel like this overwhelming, let's just write a song because when I say that to them, they're like, I'm not writing a song. I'm like, well, yeah, you are going to. We're going to do the beginnings of a song. It might not be your end goal of what you anticipate it sounding like, but you'll be able to hear things. You'll be able to kind of see a vision at least for your song in the long run. So we do a little bit of that. um, And then we do ukulele. So then we get into kind of this harmony aspect of Mm. things. Um, And then I I try to tie it all together with letting them cover a pop song. And so, um, you know, it's always dependent on time. And this year is going to look different than last year and the year before. Um, And this is something I used to do with my eighth graders, but I I am transferring it now to seventh grade um, just because of some shifts within our grade levels. Um, So the joy of that portion of where this all goes is now they've got all these different musical experiences and they can truly kind of harness what has spoken to them throughout Mm. all of this and they can bring that together in in a band essentially and so they can play the ukulele they can create a rhythm they can use music technology they can beatbox i I mean it's pretty open-ended in terms of what they're allowed to do um, within these songs so that's the basic overview. Now, how do I get them motivated to do all of that is the, is the kind of the circle back question here. Um, and it really is through observing, teaching, and responding to what is happening in that particular classroom. I won't even say in a trimester because all of my students, all of my classes are different. I kind of Mm. look at them as as their own little thing. And so what am I going to do with them? It might be different from one class to another. And the time we're going to spend on something or, you know, how many choices am I going to give within covering a song? There may only be two choices. We may just learn a class song and they get to put their own spin on that class song, that example. Um, and so, uh, really, you know, responding, um, I ask them a lot for like their, their favorite songs and just, I mean, even as simple as that, just choosing music that I know that they are listening to and, you know, for ukulele songs, okay, today we're playing this because I know my kids are listening to similar songs or songs like that. Um, 
And so there there becomes that that buy-in of, okay, like we're hearing things that we're familiar with. We're learning through music that we can identify with. And she's giving us choices. And so that that motivation kind of gradually evolves it doesn't come right away you know Mm. I'm asking them to do things in week two of class and they're like I'm not sure about this and that's okay and I realize that um but I'm able to really kind of build that motivation through time showing them other student examples and Mm. saying like here's here's a student who created this this was a group project and letting them see that hear that experience that so that they can kind of see themselves in that process i think there's a a huge motivating factor in that as well Mm -hmm. absolutely i have a couple things i want to circle back to but one of the things that i forgot to ask was just about your teaching situation because you've mentioned Mm -hmm. you've mentioned a bunch of things Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. So currently, as of like now, yeah. <laughs> I am currently doing all seventh grade general music. But for the past probably 15-ish years, um, or I shouldn't say 15, in my time at this particular teaching, um, I did seventh and eighth grade general music and uh, seventh and eighth grade chorus. This year, all seventh grade general music and sixth grade chorus starting soon seventh and eighth grade choirs um so a little bit of change in the choral front or the choral side of things um and then just really focusing on seventh grade so kind of looking to build in some of the things that i did with my eighth graders into my seventh grade curriculum so that Mm. they also can have that experience great can you tell me more about the workshops that you're doing i heard you break it down and you were talking about Uh, Mm -hmm. rhythm you were talking about technology you were talking about ukulele you're talking about all of these different pathways but how are you organizing those workshops in just in your brain how how are those organized yes so I would short answer three right (laughs) um rhythm melody harmony got it (laughs) um but certainly building and continuing to weave in concepts of all of those things as we travel through those different workshops and saying, oh, we've seen this before. Now mm-hmm. we're adding this component. Um, and oh, we can create something additional for this ukulele activity with rhythm, or mm-hmm. we can do this because we've already done this. And so what I have found is it allows for a little bit further and deeper exploration as we travel through those workshops because we've built some of those foundations already. And it, it again, we kind of going back to that idea of letting students explore and try different things saying, well, when we did this in the rhythm workshop, what if, what if you took that idea and you did that in the songwriting workshop? What if you brought those two together and what would that, what would that create? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I I don't know. Let me try. And so, so I kind of throw these ideas out and they're like, oh, we could do that. Mm. Yeah. Yes, you can. You know how to do that. You're taking things you already know. And so it builds their confidence too. Mm. And I think that's, that's for middle school, for any age though. I mean, (laughs) for adults, for adults, we want to feel confident. We want to feel like we know what we're doing. And so 
then it becomes this, I'm confident and I'm capable and I knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. So what what do I get? What's my end product when I try to put those things together? And what, what happens when I take that drum beat that I created and I layer that under this melody that I just composed? Right. What happens when I do that? And uh-huh. so we get curious because we're like, I don't, I don't know what it sounds like. And, and so we try and then we say, oh, you know what? I don't like those two together, but what if I made that drum beat? Um, what if I added pitches that matched my melody? What happens if I do that? And so then we start to play and we start to create and it's um, and that's kind of where that that magic lies. And it, it doesn't happen like that for every student right away, but mm. it certainly is there and that opportunity is there. And I think that's where that more independent side of older students mm-hmm. kind of can shine through because sure. yeah because they've taken these ideas and they know what to do it's like oh yeah I'm gonna sign into Noteflame I'm just gonna see what happens mm-hmm. if I play the sound into what I've already created um so that that looks very uh chaotic to some in a classroom <laughs> Um, which could be a whole nother topic, but, and maybe in terms of classroom management, I can speak to that, but, um, but it's also kind of where the magic happens in Mm -hmm. my perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done, um, I've done songwriting with my fifth graders, um, at, at one of my previous campuses and it was extremely uh chaotic on a noise level i shouldn't say extremely chaotic um because there are ways you know there are ways to make sure that you are communicating musically with your group and not Mm -hmm. the whole entire class etc etc um and i know that you would have all sorts of you know wisdom about about managing noise and everything like that but i also find that in terms of classroom management everyone's on the same page of like i'm just excited about how cool this sounds and then if you have like regular check-ins, again, I'm kind of translating this to upper mm-hmm. elementary. And I know that at the seventh yeah. grade level, you know, you mentioned the independent work aspect of it is much, um, <laughs> it's probably a lot easier than doing it with fifth grade. Right, right, um, yes. <laughs> but if you have like regular check-in times where it's like, okay, tell me the progress that you made. And it's like, well, today mm-hmm. I, I changed these lyrics and this is what the lyrics used to be and this is what they are now. And now I'm working on this next thing, right? Like yes. you you're right that it is chaotic, but it's like happy. It's like happy chaos, you yes. know? So yes. so go ahead and talk to us about some of the, the structures that you have for classroom management um, and musical management in a project like these things. Yeah. So um, definitely uh, conferences, those check-ins. I mean, if we're doing something where everyone's working on something different, like no one has anything similar in a songwriting situation, it's definitely a lot of students coming up, checking in with them. I also take notes, um, which kind of sounds like, oh, I'm sitting there. Um, but I will, I mean, when I say notes, very simple. Uh, one of my favorite things that I did the other year was I took a spreadsheet and put, you know, tabs at the bottom for every class, wrote down every student's name. And as they came up and I gave them feedback, I made a note of mm-hmm. what feedback I offered or what extension I offered them. This looks wonderful. So what if we do this? I kind of notated that. And then I just used colors um, for lack of better, like red, 
<laughs> yellow, green. Um, and I would just put each day that I checked in with them. Okay. And I just put a color in there, like green. Okay, today I was looking at their rhythm. They've got it, green, green, you know. Or, okay, they have the right idea. They've got the basic concept, but there are definitely some edits that need to be done. Yellow or red, maybe they were absent or they were really struggling just to get started or come yeah. up with something. So then what I can do is on day two, when we're coming in for our second day of this process, I can quickly look at my visual and say, these are the students I need to see first. Mm -hmm. We were struggling yesterday. I want to work with them or I'd like to bring them up in a small group and maybe yep. we can compose together. And so um, I do a lot of like, you know, just groups on the board and saying, this is the group I'm meeting with first. And, and so there's a little preparation in the organization, but when that happens, it, it allows me to really kind of pinpoint what's happening and it allows me to work, uh, you know, really where the students needs are. And mm. so that's, that's a wonderful thing. So that's something I, I did last year that worked really well. And then I have a really great overview when they're handing this into me of like, what have I asked them or not asked them to do, but what, what have we talked about? What have they done? And I really get a good snapshot of their progress and the mm. process that they've made. Not just did they follow the directions? Did they do what I asked them to do in these notes and, you know, variety of rhythms? And, and I still look at that, but I can also really see what's happened along the way. And mm -hmm. I can tell them that too, because it's overwhelming. It's so many students. And when you're coming back and you're finally giving them feedback, I love to be able to sit down and say, wow, you have made great progress on this. At the beginning, we were struggling to get started and look what you've created. Um, and so that is a really easy tool to use in that, in that process. Um, another thing in terms of classroom management is if we're all maybe working on a similar idea, but there's exercises that are related or things that we can do. Mm. I've, I've used the idea of stations a lot with my students as well in groups. So I might have a group that is up working with me directly and we're, you know, composing something together, or maybe I'm just conferencing with that particular group of students. And then maybe there's a collaborative activity where they're working on altering a melody together. Maybe mm. they're taking something that exists and they're kind of working on it together just to get them thinking about Yep. changing things and working and then maybe there's an independent sort of station where they're just working and they're just saying okay what's my song happening you know what's happening with my song right now I'm going to take that feedback and so and we just cycle through so maybe every 15 minutes we're up and moving and we're on to the next sort of station um, or activity and so if if there's something that can be done that's related that works very nicely especially because just like our younger students they want to be up they want to be moving we yeah. can't focus on one thing for too long but yeah. it's building skills within that same idea um, I will do that with rhythm with ukulele um, it's you know not something I do every day but it's a really nice kind of switch up in the uh, feeling of our class and the structure of our class and it kind of keeps them on their toes so I look ahead and see what do I have coming up and if it's something that I can kind of you know work into that structure um, I find it works very nicely. It keeps them, like I said, it keeps them on their toes, keeps them moving, um, but still exploring different things within that concept. Wow. Yeah, I love all of that. So you're talking about how, you know, in, in your brain, 
you have all of these different divergent pathways, right? Where like mm-hmm. 30 million variables with 30 yeah. million different options for each variable, right? And so what you yes. could do is take that and have like a completely unstructured class where you're like, today we're gonna do, we're gonna write a pop song. Everybody go to your group and write a pop song. But you are saying that you have a very, um, you have a very structured chaos approach to yes <laughs> which is not always helpful for people to hear because i and i realized that like if somebody was listening you know if people are out there listening and thinking like okay well that doesn't help me like what can i do in my classroom tomorrow uh-huh i realize that that's not it it doesn't translate well for a lot of people um so but all that to say you can take any idea yep. and th- just say, okay, I have three ukulele chords I want to teach yep. my students today. So how can I do that? Well, maybe you say there's, you're going to teach them the chords at one station and you might have to kind of know your students a little bit. Um, and then at another station, maybe they're working through, maybe you have the chord charts out and they're working together um, to see if they can figure out the chords ahead of time. And maybe that's for your students that feel a little more confident, that feel a little more ready to go and like a little bit more independent so that when they circle up to you and all of this, they are able, they're like, we've already got it. And then you can offer an extension. So I think, you know, I'm throwing a lot of ideas out there, but it's really looking at what you have, maybe finding one or two activities that fit in with that same concept Mm -hmm. and just adapting your lesson to that. Um, And not saying that every class certainly has to be set up like that or that's the only way of classroom management sometimes it's just messy and it's loud but I had a day like that the other day where everyone was playing the same ensemble but everybody was in groups and it was chaotic and it was loud and we just had to take a step back Mm -hmm. I gave another rhythm activity for everybody to do and I just pulled one group up at a time and worked with them because that's that's where we were and that's what we could handle so it doesn't need to start out as this elaborate kind of system. This is something that I've done and explored and I kind of know know what works, but it could be something as simple as that. Mm. Um, and just saying, you know what, we're gonna back up. I'm gonna meet one group at a time. Everyone else is gonna do these three activities. You take a little time to explain and have them explore. And they're doing that while you're working with that one, that one group and just rotating through. So I think again, kind of taking it back to what we spoke to earlier, it can start really simple and that's Mm -hmm. okay right right oh yeah absolutely okay so let's take um let's take a rhythmic focus because i think that would be the most accessible Mm -hmm. and there's a reason that you very wisely were recommending that we start with rhythm Mm -hmm. if if you're getting like (laughs) um the mixed bag of the county in your general music class right okay so let's say that i have a sixth grade class they all have had Mm -hmm. different experiences before they got to me um i i've had them let's say that this episode is going to come out maybe in middle of october so maybe Mm -hmm. i say um when we start back in november after this weekend or whatever um i want to start fresh because middle school music makes me want to tear my hair out so i right I want to start fresh. I want a clean slate. I know that I need a clean slate. My kids need the clean slate. We're going to start with some rhythm. Can you tell Mm -hmm. me what would be your day one move for that? Okay, absolutely. So I would show no notation 
Yep. And just let them drum. I mean, obviously within context, give them, like, I usually start out with four rhythms and we just echo, echo me. When you're ready, come on in. Just echo me. Okay. So right away. Can we try it? We've got, yeah, absolutely. So, um, this is like a will just to credit where credit is due. This is like one of the Will Schmidt, you know, <laughs> drumming world drumming, like ensemble one. Like yep. this is super, super simple. Some of okay. the kids were like, we've heard this before. So I so have a, we'll just... I have a tubano in front of me or what do I, yep. what do I have? Yep. yep. So everyone's got a tubano in front of them. Um, we're just sitting circle drum circle type situation. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with our hands up, hands on your head, hands on your shoulders. Hands on your lap. Great. Here's rhythm one. All right. Great. Okay. Here's rhythm number two. We're going to start with a different rhythm. Our hands are going to be up to start. So it's going to look and sound like this. Watch and listen first. When you're ready, you join me. Keep the rhythm going. Keep the rhythm going. Keep the rhythm going. Keep the rhythm going. Awesome. Okay, so we've got two rhythms to start. Okay, can anyone remind us of our first rhythm? You can either say it and explain it to us, or you can show me on your drum. Okay, so we get somebody who's like, yes, I remember what it is. Awesome. Okay, can somebody remind us of the second rhythm that we had? Again, you can explain it, what I said, or you can play it on your drum. Yeah, Mrs. Lark, it was rest, rest, keep the rhythm going. Awesome. Okay, we're going to divide the room in half. Let's see what happens. This group, you're going to be low, high, low, which I didn't say earlier. I should have said that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> low, high, low. This side, you're going to be our keep the rhythm going. Let's try that. Just starting with group A. One, two, your turn, and low, high, low, keep the rhythm going. Low, high, low, keep the rhythm going. Awesome. So we play that. What just happened when we put all of that together? Okay, they fit together, right. We've got call and response. Let's flip flop it. Okay, you're A, low, high, low, keep the rhythm going. So we go in and we flip it. Do you want me to do that? Or yes. <laughs> yes, okay. So let's take it over here on side A. You're starting us one, two, ready, play. It's low, high, low. Keep the rhythm going, low, high, low. Keep the rhythm going, low, high, low. Keep the rhythm going, low, high, low. Keep the rhythm going. Now, could we put those two rhythms together? What do you guys think? Could we put those together? Victoria? On, on, <laughs> on, one, on one player doing both parts? Yeah, one player doing both parts. Do I you think, think we I could. could do it? I think I could. I think, let's try it and see what happens. Okay, here we go. So we're putting A and B together. One, two, here we go. It's low, high, low. Keep the rhythm going. Low, high, low. Keep the rhythm going. Low, high, low. Last time, keep the rhythm going and stop. Very nice. So we found out that we can put those two together. So these are what we're going to call complementary rhythms or a call and response. They can work together, but they can also work on their own. So then we continually add in a rhythm. So the next rhythm we've just got, ta, ta, di, ta, ta, di, ta, ta, di, ta. We could also say that low, low, high, low, low, high, low, low, high, low. And Great. that's our third rhythm. So then 
we just kind of keep layering it in as we're ready. If we're still struggling with just A and B, we just focus on that. We try it in different ways. We play and we speak at the same time. Um, and so we're doing all these tools, but they've never seen any of this on the board. This is right. all just by rote. Yep. And so we add that in and maybe in one class, depending how it goes, we get all four rhythms, maybe we get three, and so we pick up. Now, here's what I would say as we get more comfortable with that rhythm is the next day I put them into groups because we love a group challenge in middle school. It's gotta be groups, <laughs> we, it's gotta be groups. We love a game, we love a game. Okay, so we've heard all these rhythms, we played them. Now we're going to get together and I give them, there's four rhythms that I teach them to start. Um, and we get together and I say, let's see if we can figure out what these rhythms look like. And so we do dictation and we have no, they're like, wow, we can't. Yes, you can. So I'm going to ask you a simple question. I'm going to use a steady beat. And so I, I take a, a racquetball and I, I just bounce a steady beat. So we yep. talk a little bit about beat versus rhythm because sometimes we still struggle with that in middle school and what yep. is the beat and what is a rhythm. And so I say, how many sounds did I do on beat number one? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm just going to draw dots in and we do this on the board. So I'll give them an example first. So for every rhythm, we're just thinking about where's the beat and how many sounds are we hearing? Mm -hmm. And so... We start very slowly, we do a class example first, and then I go through all of the rhythms and I play them and I see if they can figure out together what those rhythms look like. And then we bring them up to the board mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have them write them in. And you're saying we are, whoops, we are saying that we are doing all of this in graphic notation because the point is how many sounds do you hear on the beat? The point is not a quarter note gets one beat. So if right. you were to do the racquetball thing, you might yes. have like low, high, low. I actually have them draw in the dots. So I'll have them draw like one, like they have a beat a paper with beat bars on it. So yes. just four. Yep. Sorry. Yep. And then you. they just draw a dot. Yep. And then I say, well, if we added a stem there, all of a sudden we've got something that looks like notation. So if you feel comfortable doing that, go for it. And if your comfort level is just drawing the dots and the number of sounds on each of those beat bars, mm -hmm. that's wonderful. Great. But they quickly... You know, because they've, they've, you know, they've seen, so they are like, okay, I think I know what this looks like. Mm -hmm. So we come up and we write them in. And then I love, I love when we have mistakes. I love a good, <laughs> I love when, okay, let's look at rhythm B. And so we clap what's on the board. Okay, here's what I clap for rhythm B. Mm-hmm. Does that match what I clapped originally? And then we get you know, this oral discernment happening of is what we came up with or what that group came up with, what Mrs. Larrick played, what we played mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. So there's, again, it this is happening over, you know, a class, two classes. Sometimes we start it, but we don't finish it. But it's a lot and it's this active kind of question response. Okay, oh, yeah. our, is, is this match? It does? Okay, we're good. Okay, let's move on to the next one. And somebody, I don't think that one matches. What we have on the board does not match what you played. Okay, well, how do we fix that? 
let's listen again. Can you fix that with your group? What do we need to do? Mm-hmm. And so it's just this very active kind of back and forth and it gets everyone involved, but they're, they're loving the challenge that comes with it too. They're doing something that when you said, we're going to do dictation, it's a fancy thing musicians do. They're going, <laughs> and within five minutes, yeah. it's like, Oh, we're doing this. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're coming up with this together. Mm-hmm. So, um, like that's what I do like day one into day two with my seventh graders. Perfect. <laughs> Which is just, you know, but it's getting them playing. It's getting them listening. It, it, it encompasses so many different musical avenues into one and a half to two lessons, depending, you know, what else is happening in those classes. Right. And I find that um, upper elementary students love rhythmic dictation because it feels yes. like it feels so gratifying and it's something that they are creating in their minds first and then your pencil shows it, mm-hmm. right? So like the ear first and then the notation second. Like that's very, it feels like you said, like it feels very fancy and it is. And and I, yes. and I say like most people, most people in fifth grade don't know how to do this. A lot of real right. musicians get to college before they're asked to do anything like yes. this, you know? Yes. Yeah. So you're setting this kind of lofty, you know, thing that they're doing and then they're realizing, wait, I can do this. And all I really have to ask myself is how many sounds am I hearing? And I love because then they get into it and and they're raising their hand. Now, I won't tell them if they're right or wrong, but I say, I will clap what's on your paper for you. I'll, I'll come over and I'll clap. So then they're like, oh, wait, what did she do there? Oh, what did she, you know, so it's me running around the room, sprinting around the mm-hmm. room, <laughs> clapping different rhythms. But again, because it gets them thinking instead of sitting and saying, well, we came up with something. We're not sure. We're just going to sit here and wait until she goes over it on the board. Right. You know, and so there's that active engagement and revision and process. And I'm always sure to compliment them, mm-hmm. even if they got none of those rhythms right, I'm always making a point to say to those of you who worked through that and to those of you who were like, I, I didn't get any right, but you you were still trying, thank you for doing that because mm-hmm. that's not easy, but that's the work. That's the, you weren't giving up and good for you. You know, so we have that, again, we have that conversation and I'm sure to acknowledge that because that gains that motivation, that trust moving forward, that sense of accomplishment, even if I didn't get the perfect answer, mm-hmm. which is what I need from them as we continue exploring all of these other ideas. Yeah, because the the lesson, you know, the lesson objective is that they're going to notate some rhythms by ear. But the reason you chose that lesson objective was so that you could have a broader understanding of how to think Mm -hmm. musically. Because I'm confident, Danielle, based on all the other stuff that we've talked about today, eventually the invitation is with your group, create your own ostinato, right? And and Mm -hmm. then turn Mm -hmm. your group to face another group. Teach them your ostinato, right? The, The point is teaching them how to think not how yes. how many sounds yes. d- does this beat get, right? It's much bigger than that. Right. Absolutely. I always tell them, I want you to have the tools to be an independent musician. Mm-hmm. My goal is that you can create, know how it sounds, play it, explore it, 
without me being right there next to you. Mm-hmm. That's what I that's what I want for all of you. Um, whether they always connect with that, I don't know. But I like to say, I just think it's worth saying and um, and saying again, what's the purpose behind what we're doing here? Mm-hmm. Why am I going over this? What's my intention? Mm-hmm. That's what they want to know. That's what they can latch on to. Great. Okay, well, we are wrapping up our time. Um, let's imagine that someone is listening to this and they're absolutely going to use the call and response, all of this stuff that you were very yes. kind enough to teach us today. They're going to use that, but that's not going to get us through the rest of the school year. So right. as I'm using these uh, these activities that you've given us to kind of like, you know, with my classroom on fire, now I've put out the immediate fire in front of me. That's mm-hmm. great. Where can I go, Danielle, to learn more about teaching general music at the middle school level. So uh, if you are interested in learning more about upper elementary, middle school, and what that looks like for you, because I will say that I think it looks very different for every teaching scenario. Um, And what I might do in my classroom might not work perfectly for your classroom. Um, But all that said, uh, Jessica Grant and I recently started um, a course on secondary general music um, called the Confident Music Educator. And we built this course really on the foundation um, and personal experiences of what we have gone through feeling like a little uh, uh, discomfort (laughs) in that middle school classroom and going through those growing pains and wanting to share um, how we've gotten to the point that we have gotten to in our classrooms where we're both bringing things, and I will say really different things. Jessica's classroom and my classroom probably look very different. Um, But that's the beauty of it is that this course really walks you through creating a vision. Um, Where do you see your students going based on what you know about them um, and how to kind of invite them into that vision and then starting to develop. um, And we cover in 10, I think, nine modules. um, And there's like 10 hours of video lessons. We have quick challenges. we have a, a private Facebook group community that we are building. And so those are just a few of the things. But again, it really is customizable to your situation. We offer resources that we have used and found successful ways to adapt resources that you might find and think, wow, I really like that. But that was for a high school classroom. I don't yeah. think my musicians are there yet. Yeah don't shy away from those things. So we talk about adapting that. So that's a great um, place to go. We are also working on building some mini courses. um, If people are interested, there's a free one right now on subplans for the middle school classroom Mm. that is posted as a freebie that people can check out. Um, But we'll be adding mini courses to that as well with some more specific topics still related to that that general, uh, general overview. Great. That is awesome. Okay, and we can find that the confident music educator.com. Yes, it's the confident music educator educator, excuse me, on Podia. Um, and so probably the best place is on Instagram. If you go to Instagram at the confident music educator, um, that's a great starting point. And we have a link there to the course. Um, and we'll be right now we're in our second cohort, but we'll be opening up a new cohort in the middle of the year. But like I said, we are adding things 
all the time um, and building that out. You can also find me personally at Musical Middles on Instagram, or if you just want to reach out via email, um, I am happy to chat anytime. Um, this is definitely, as I mentioned at the beginning, my passion. And so if you just want to bounce ideas off of somebody, mm -hmm. you find yourself in a situation where you don't have anyone, which I know many music yeah. uh, educators, especially the middle level, find that. I know I did. Um, I am happy to just chat with you if you want to just pick my brain or say, I have this idea. How can I adapt it? How can I make it more meaningful for my musicians? Mm. Feel free to email me, musicalmiddles at gmail.com, um, because I am always happy to help and support. And I know Jessica and I in the course, we really, that's our main goal is support mentorship. Um, we don't claim to know how claim to have all of the answers but we just want to be supporting you alongside your journey um with this age group in any way we can mm. yeah that's awesome that's awesome and i know i know people are absolutely going to check that out based off of all of the wonderful stuff that you've shared today let's go to some very quick questions here at the end are you ready okay okay here we go i, I think so i hope so <laughs> What was the most recent fun activity you did in your teaching? Oh, in my teaching. Okay. Um, oh, goodness. Okay. We just started two weeks ago, but okay, this is like, um, I guess it's like the seventh thing where the clap snap, where we're just tapping on the table. Um, I, that, that's a really like <laughs> random thing, but my kids were just all over that last week. We did a video on YouTube and they were like, what's happening? And we kept getting the tempo faster. Um, and they asked, they begged to do it again, the following class, um, that and uh, rock, paper, scissors ultimate rock paper scissors which is a jessica grant thing i will not take uh, credit for that she taught me that but you walk around in groups doing rock paper scissors and then you build these teams um, of people the winners uh you know and so you end up with two people and everyone chanting behind them so those are two ah. really quick easy things but i'll tell you what if you need something in your classroom they're surefire activities <laughs> perfect that is perfect i love that okay what's the next teaching project that you are excited about teaching project uh students or personally either either is fine either okay um so we are starting songwriting very soon with my students and that is something that is newer to me in teaching but i love and i just love seeing that uh that portion of what they're doing so i would say that is my uh my next kind of project that we're starting that i'm really excited for them to dig into because i always learn something about them mm. as they're doing that project which mm. i love seeing <laughs> certainly yep Danielle, what do you think makes you such a good middle school teacher? Oh, <laughs> this is a hard one for me to answer because I, I feel like I'm learning every day um, and still growing. Um, but I think I truly care about my students. I, I truly care about what they're bringing to the classroom, both musically, non-musically. Um, and I, I truly just want them to be good humans, be mm. kind humans. And so if I get to do that through music, that's a bonus. Um, but I, I do deeply care about each and every kiddo that walks into that room. Um, and so I think that's, that's my main thing. Beautiful. 
All right, Danielle, thank you uh, for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for everything that you do to support. I know the a huge team of people around you and all of the music educators that, that you are able to uplift and encourage and give both um, tactile help in very specific ways, like you showed us today, but then also just some general mindset things that we can mm-hmm. be thinking about in our work with upper elementary and general music. So I'm very, very grateful for your time. Thank you so much for having me.